Hey, Rockbridge, my name is Matt. I am fired up, excited to be with you. I want to welcome you if you're any of our six locations or also if you're watching at home, online, on your device somewhere, you're on the road, you're in this region of America or you're wherever you are, thank you. You are not watching, you're not listening by, by accident. We really believe you're here for a reason. God's got something for you. He wants to speak to you. And uh, so I'm excited to share with you because we've been in this series battle tested now. This is part six, and it's really a continuation of just this journey we've been on together since the beginning of, of 2021. And, and we've learned a lot. and We've talked a lot. So we're going to integrate and we're going to bring a lot of reminders and refreshers and just try to land the plane on, on, this, on this series. But the, the question that we've been asking is, hey, do we want a future based on what we can do or do we want a future based on what God can do? And, and if we're answering that question with based on what God can do, that's going to cause us to come under the authority of Scripture. That's going to cause us to lean in and participate in the local church. And that's going to cause us to become people of radical dependence and relentless prayer, which is why we're having a Daniel Day this coming Wednesday and, and as we lean into what God can do. And the whole premise of Battle Tested is that God has to test us, prepare us, position us so we can receive what he can do. Now, here, here's how we're going to wrap this up. And this is so important because I think a lot of us, uh, we, we break our life down into significant moments. Uh, we, we break our life into this season, this day, this episode, this event. And, and, and so 2020 and on into 2021 has just been a, a moment that has been stressful. It's been a, a year, a season, a dynamic that a lot of us are just ready to, to kind of forget about or move on or get back to some normalcy. But we've said that, hey, if God is sovereign and God permits, God causes things to happen, these moments to happen, then there's a reason for it and God wants to take it somewhere. God wants to produce something from it, something lasting, something significant. So here's the, for the final question we're going to try to wrap up is this. How do we make this moment serve the movement? And now, by, by saying movement, I mean the movement of God, the God who's been working in history, the God who's been working in your story, in your life, whether you know it, whether you recognize it or not. How, how does this moment serve the movement? Now, let me stop for just a second. A lot of us, we are indoctrinated and kind of like as Americans, where we, we, like, we just live moment to moment, and hey, that was a good movie, that was a good sermon, that's a great song, hey, Christmas was great this year, Friday night was boring, and we just sort of bounce around looking for the next high, the next euphoria, and there's nothing connected. And what, what we want to say is, hey, God, we just don't want this to be another series in the life of our church. We, we don't want this to be, okay, God, 2020, this too shall pass, and now just let's get us back to some normalcy, God. No, no, no. We want what we've gone through uh, individually, nationally, regionally, your family, your marriage. We want this moment which we might categorize as a tough moment, or we might categorize it as one, one we wish never we had gone through. But we want this moment to serve the significant, the eternal purposes of God. So how do we translate moments into this movement that God has been taking history and certainly his people on since he created us all the way in the beginning of this incredible authoritative book? 
where we started in Genesis 1. So to, to answer this question, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, when we're going to hear Paul talking to a church, talking to a group of people like we are at Rockbridge Community Church. And, and to get us started, there's going to be three foundational pieces that kind of have to be in place for us to take a moment and translate it into a movement of God. So we're going to join Paul in his writing of the church at Philippi in verse 3, chapter 1. He says this to this church, I give thanks to my God for every remembrance of you, always praying with joy for all of you in my every prayer. So there's a prayer partnership going on here between Paul and this church that he started because of your partnership in the gospel from the very first day until now. Now, now, now notice the language. This is the language of movement. Hey, we started this church, you can read that in Acts 16, how the church at Philippi came into existence, and this church has been growing and bearing fruit of the gospel until now, so from the first day until now. So this church is in the, is in the movement of God. And then Paul says this to this group of believers, what a great promise. If there's a promise we need to memorize, here it is in Philippians 1.6. I would encourage you to have this loaded and ready in your mind, in, on your lock screen somewhere where you can recall it, because this is a great promise. I am sure of this. Now, a lot of us, think about your year, my year, a lot of us, what has our year marked by, been, by, been marked by? Uncertainty, Right? So when Paul leans in to this group of Christians and he says, hey, I'm sure of this, we ought to just kind of get on the edge of our seat and say, hey, I'm hungry for a little certainty. I'm hungry for a little solid ground to stand on because this has been anything but, right? So I'm sure of this. What's he sure of? That he who started a good work in you, he capital, he God, he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. So we're talking chronology here. So from the first day until now, God's been moving you. God's been working in your life. And now he's going to carry this good work that he started on the first day. He's going to carry this good work in you. He's going to carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What we might call the second coming. What we might call when all the world's going to know. That the King of kings and Lord of lords is not you or I. It's not some politician. It's Jesus Christ. And, and so foundational point number one is this. Let's understand that there is a glorious inevitability of history. That history is not random. That history is headed somewhere under the providence, the sovereignty, the benevolence of a glorious God. And let's understand that 2020 fits into this. The moment you're in right now in your marriage with your kids, in your finances, with your health, that this moment is designed by God. He wants it to fit into this movement that we're all aiming. There is an aim point of history, which we're going to call the day of Christ, where there is no, no doubt, no confusion that Jesus Christ is who he said he was, that Jesus Christ is the Jewish Messiah that is the Savior of the world, that he is glorious, that he is magnificent. The world saw him bloodied and bludgeoned on a cross. 500-plus people saw him resurrected resurrected from the dead on the day of Christ, the entire world will look at him and go, <gasps> yes. And so Paul says, that's where everything's moving. Titus 2.13 gives a great description of this day. Look what he says. While we look forward with hope to that wonderful day, 
when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, the weight, the significance, the awe will be revealed. So on this day, it will be wonderful and visible when we recognize Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, look, we're all headed for that day. We're all moving toward that day. And God is moving you toward a wonderful day called the day of Christ. So he continues to to talk pastorally, fatherly to this church. We go to verse 7. He said, it's right for me to think this way about all of you. I'm excited for your future. I'm excited because the best is yet to come. And that's not a cliche for Paul. That's not a hope so for Paul. That's a certainty. I am sure of this. Because I have you in my heart and you are all partners with me in grace, both in my imprisonment and the defense and the confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how deeply I miss all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. He can't be with them physically. So so the second foundational piece that needs to be in place for us to take moments into movements is that we need to be in a committed, connected, I'll call it gospel, you might call it kingdom, partnership with a local church. Now, this is a dynamic that's under attack. This is a dynamic where it's like, hey, I can watch this guy on TV and tomorrow night this guy and then that guy. And it's like church by Netflix. I watch what I want to watch when I want to watch it. We're talking about being connected to a family, a spiritual team, a spiritual family where we're praying for one another, where the whole goal is to help each other get rewarded and be ready on the day of Christ. Think think about your affiliations. I mean, you've got a relationship with your doctor. Maybe you're in a running club or your gym membership. And so you've got those affiliations. And the whole purpose of that is to help you take care of your body. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with that. We're supposed to be good stewards of that. However, that's got a shelf life, doesn't it? At some point, for everybody listening to me, your body is going to wear out and shut off. Your soul won't, but your body will. So that's one affiliation. And then we've got affiliations, man. We get together because we love football. And when our kids play together, we go dogs it together or go Tennessee or go Gators. We just love football. Okay, that's got a shelf life too. Who do you get together with where the whole purpose is... I want to help you. You want to help me get ready for and be rewarded on the day of Christ. That's what the church is in the business of. The church, you can, the church is not like going to Walmart. The church is in the business of helping each other get ready for the day of Christ. And so we need to be under the teaching of the Word of God. We need to be connected to the family of God. We need to be praying for one another, just like Paul is for this church at Philippi, that we're ready on the day of Christ. So that's the second foundation. Last foundation. He gives a specific prayer for the church. He says, and I pray this. Here's his prayer. That your love will keep on growing. You haven't arrived yet. We still need movement. Your love will keep on growing in knowledge and every kind of discernment. You got to be able to discern because we live in a broken age. We live in an age of the not yet. Jesus has not yet come back, right? It's not yet happened. So we need discernment so that you may approve the things that are superior and may be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. So he says this coming day of Christ ought to be a source of how you discern what is good and what is not good. 
That this day that all of history is headed toward ought to be a day that factors in to how you grow and how you move forward, how you progress. So he says you, he wants you to be, us to be pure and blameless in the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. That everything's headed to the praise of God. So Paul would say it this way. This is his third foundation. So I know that the future is headed to the day of Christ. I know I need to be part of a partnership, a family, a spiritual community that's committed to getting me ready and rewarded on the day of Christ. But I also need to mark the day of Christ on my calendar and cooperate with it. Now, now here's what I mean by that. Here's what I mean by cooperate with it. All of us look forward to certain days. Friday, spring break, anniversary, payday, right? Wedding day. And you do something on the days before those days in anticipation of that day. So you look forward to payday, so you go to, you go to work, right? You, you look forward to your wedding day. So, ladies, you go through all that stuff. And, and ladies, let's just be honest, right? If you have a Krispy Kreme two-day, that's not going to help you fit into the dress on wedding day, right? So you make decisions based on a day on, somewhere on your calendar. I mean, all of us. I mean, you can, some of you are like, yeah, I know when I'm going on vacation. I know when I got a day off. I know when my kids' birthdays are. And, and you make, there's choices. There's discernment of, of, am I ready for, am I getting ready for that day? And all Paul is saying is this. Hey, if you know where history is going, and you do because Jesus rose from the dead, and he said he's coming back a second time. So if you know where history is coming, you ought to take out your calendar. You don't know when it's going to happen, but it is going to happen. And you ought to live your days on God's green earth in anticipation of that day so that you show up there ready and you will be rewarded. That's what he's saying. And it's so important. It's so powerful, right? It's so important so significant when we embrace that and when we get ready, we understand that. So, so it's like this, right? If this little dot is our life and our life is but a moment, but it's part of this movement into eternity. So he's just saying, look, so many of us, this is all we focus on, right? It's all we see. And it's like, how is this going to affect me now? How is this going to affect? And he's like, look, just come on out here to the day of Christ. And this is the day that matters most. This, this matters more than election day 2020. This matters more than tax day 2021. This matters more than vacation day. This, this was where God's taking things. That matters the most. And so that's how we want to orient and position and change our lives. So those foundations in place, right? A local community of people praying and preparing each other to be living for this day. Understanding that God is moving history forward to this day and then committing ourselves to cooperate with this movement of God. So those three things are in place. Now let's, let's, get, let's, get, real, let's get real, okay? Here's a question. Here's my, my tension. Okay, Matt, how does that work? When the moment is problematic, when the moment is challenging, when, when the moment feels all-consuming, when, Matt, I can't even see tomorrow. I, I, I don't, I, I can't, how does it tie in? How, when we're in a moment, do we let it fuel and exploit it for the movement? 
And what's great about the Bible? Paul's going to give us his own example. Paul's going to say, Paul's going to show us in the moment he's in how he exploits, leverages, translates the moment to serve the movement of God. Right in verse 12. Next thing he goes to, he gets real specific about his per, the personal moment he's in. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, what a great phrase, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel, the gospel of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Christ dying for us, Christ dying instead of us. So what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel. Now here's what's happened to Paul that's, uh, that, that's so challenging. Paul's been put into prison for being a Christian, for sharing the gospel. Okay, and, and so in our finite minds, you can, I mean, Paul, Paul's essential to the mission. If Paul's in prison, the, the, the movement stops. God, you got to get him out of prison. You got to get him out of prison. God, I, and we can get overwhelmed with the gravity of this. How is what has happened going to advance any movement? And I, and I, I just want to, let's keep it real. How many, you don't have to raise your hand, you can raise it in your head. How many of us have looked at the events of the past 12 months that we've gone through nationally, regionally, you've gone through personally or individually or in your family? How many of us have looked at that and said, I don't see how God can do anything good with that? And I, I, I bet you we'd be batting a thousand. I mean, Matt, 2020? I just don't see it. And that's the power of getting so focused on what has happened to me. How can it advance anything? All right? And it's, it's the opposite. We would think putting Paul in prison is horrible. Nothing good's going to come of that. That's going to stop the movement, not advance the movement. We would think, man, 2020, God, God can't use 2020. Right? So you got to make a decision at that point. And the decision is real simple, but it's real hard. It's very clear, but it's real hard. You have to decide in that moment, will I walk by faith or will I walk by sight or by feelings? Am I going to walk by faith or am I going to walk by sight? This is where we have problems, right? Because what do we say? I just don't see it. I just don't understand it. My gut, I just don't feel it. And, 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 we, and, and we ask God, God, give me that feeling. God, help me to see something. And what we're saying when we say help me to see, we want something to change in our circumstances immediately. We want those prison doors to fall down or the key to show up. and Oh, I can escape. We want something like that, right? And nothing changes except the word of God still stands. And that promise of God that I told you, you might want to earmark, highlight, put on your lock screen. Uh, I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you will carry on to completion. The promise still stands. But I, God, I don't see it. I don't see it. Decide to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, if you're going to make that decision, you've you got to have, it, gotta have some handlebars. It's got to look like something. So here's a couple. That means I'm going to believe God when I don't see it. That means I'm going to obey God when I don't understand it. That means I'm going to give it to God when I don't have it. That means I'm going to persist with God even when I don't feel like it. That means I'm going to thank God before I receive it. I'm going to trust God even if I don't get it, and I'm going to put his promises over my perceptions. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. 
And if not, though, and this is where I believe a lot of people listening to me right now are. If not, though, we will be enslaved, controlled by, or defined by what has happened to me. Can't get our minds off of it. It's controlling our emotions. It's controlling. It's making us toxic. It's making us negative. It's making us, you know, we just lash out at people. And whoa, why we're edgy, we're touchy, we're worried, we're anxious because we can't see past what has happened. We can't look behind, look beyond what has happened to see the movement of God and to recall, remember, anticipate, and hope for what day? The wonderful day of Christ. So if we don't decide to walk by faith, We'll be stuck, controlled by what has happened. Certainly that was a temptation for Paul. He could have had a little pity party in his prison cell. And and most of us, we'd say, we understand. But God's made a promise. I am sure of this. He who began a good work in you, church will carry it on to completion until the day, the wonderful, visible day of Christ when his glory will be revealed. So if you're going to decide to walk by faith, not by sight, and not by feelings, let's just say this. This moment that we're all in, it will not be wasted, but it's going to be invested, which means it'll be rewarded by God on the day of Christ. I I just want to say this. Maybe 2020 is the last one of our lifetime. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. Matt, but but, I've had to, don't waste it. Don't waste. We're going to see Paul didn't waste the prison. Paul didn't let the prison put him in a pity party. Paul really understood the prison was part of his purpose. And he said, the prison is going to serve the day of Christ. Could we resolve right now, whatever moment you're in, can it serve the day of Christ? Can we invest this moment in the day of Christ? All right, Paul, needs some more handlebars. All right, let's keep working with him. Let's keep working. Here's what he says. He continues, verse 13. Because I'm in the prison, it served to advance the gospel. That was the last thing he said. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. I'm in prison because I'm a Christian, and they know I'm a Christian, and I'm getting to share with them Jesus Christ. And he goes on. He's like, most of the brothers and sisters, the family of God, they've actually gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment, and they dare even more to speak the word, the word of Christ, the gospel, fearlessly. So it's had the opposite effect. They thought by putting me in here, it would make everybody else afraid because they might have to come in here and join me. And actually, it's had the opposite effect. More people are speaking up and more people are speaking the word, the word about Christ. And the only way anybody becomes a Christian is they have to hear the word of God and receive it with faith. Hearing comes by faith. Faith comes by the word of God, right? So, so Paul's like, hey, I'm in prison 
And the gospel is actually speeding up in getting talked about and shared and honored and heard throughout the whole imperial guard and throughout the church. And, and Paul's like, this moment is serving the movement. This moment is, is serving where God is taking absolutely all of history. And so there's a second decision. If we're going to take moments and go to movement. And that decision is we have to decide that honoring Christ is the goal for the moment because it is the goal of the movement. I'm going to let that sit just a second. Let me say it again. We have to decide that honoring Christ, glorifying Christ, drawing attention to Christ is the goal of the moment, the prison the 2020, the pandemic, the, the, everything, the situation you're dealing with, the situation we're dealing with here, the situation you're dealing with watching at home online. That, that the goal for us is how does Christ, how do I honor Christ? Because that is the goal of the movement. And the day of Christ, Christ will be honored, recognized, revealed, exalted, worshipped, and praised. And so we're going to let this moment serve that movement. So, so what does that look like? Well, how does that look like, Matt? Okay, so I, I'll give you three handlebars. I, I would submit there's probably three moments that everybody, whatever you're dealing with, is going to fit in one of these three categories, maybe all three at the same time. And so we want to exploit and leverage these moments to serve the movement, okay? First kind of moment is what I'd call a growth moment. A growth moment. Remember Paul said this gospel has been growing or your love has been growing. So a growth moment. And let me just say this. You grow in every moment, positively or negatively. Okay, you go in one direction or another. Okay, so every moment you're going to become more like something or less like something or closer to something or farther away from something. So let's just say that. But it's a growth moment. It's a growth moment. And, and I have, we've been talking throughout this whole series. Okay. That the goal that God has for us is to make us image bearers of his son once again. That's what we lost in the garden. That that goal is to become like Christ. So the goal of the growth moment is I am becoming more like Christ. How? Because of 2020, because of this situation I'm dealing with in my family, because of this financial crisis, because of this difficult relationship, because of this difficult conversation, how am I growing to be more like Christ? Because you know what God wants to see on the day of Christ? His church standing there pure and blameless, looking more like Christ. We're just cooperating with that movement. We're just cooperating with that. So I, I, I'll ask this again. How are you more like Christ because of 2020? How are you more like Christ because of whatever moment you're in that I don't even know about? That's a growth moment. That's a growth moment. Second kind of moment, I think, is an opportunity moment. An opportunity moment is twofold. It's when we have an opportunity to give other people a glimpse of what the day of Christ will be like by how we love them or serve them or pursue justice or, or, or do good deeds. And or we have an opportunity to invite them to be in Christ 
on the day of Christ by speaking fearlessly, boldly, and sharing the gospel with people. Easter's coming up, church, right? We have an opportunity, moment, to share Christ, to invite people to watch our services, attend our services, wherever, however they're most comfortable, right? So opportunity moments for the gospel. So Paul, in a prison cell, is saying, hey, I have an opportunity to share Christ. I have an opportunity to encourage people. And he's like, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to invest it. And then the third kind of moment is what I'll just call an ordinary moment. It's, man, I got to go to work today. I got to pick up the kids. You know, got to get some dry cleaning, whoever does that. Um, I've got to go to the bank. I've got to go to the Little League game, right? Got to go to the grocery store. And I'm going to go home, go to bed, and rinse, repeat tomorrow. And, 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 the, and the, the thing that most of us want to do is we just look over that. Oh, I, I, how do I honor Christ in that? And, and what we have to do in that moment is say, okay, when you think about your to-do list, when you think about what you're facing tomorrow, what you're facing next week, it's okay. Most of us will pray, like, God, give me wisdom. God, give me strength. God, keep my kids healthy. Keep my kids safe, okay? And, and, and what, when we put God, when we put honoring Christ as our top priority, it, it deepens, changes, transforms how we pray. Because suddenly we go into that meeting that's going to be difficult, and we say, God, whatever comes out of my mouth, let it be Christ-honoring. God, whatever happens in this meeting, I don't know, I can't predict, let me be Christ-honoring with my attitude, with my words, with my countenance. God, uh, when, when, when this promotion comes through, how am I Christ-honoring with the money, the extra money that I get? And we just put Christ-honoring as an adjective before we do or say anything. Doesn't every, being Christ-honoring doesn't mean you have to change what you do, but it may mean it changes just how you do it, Right? And, and when, you, when we embrace that in the ordinary moments, there's a couple of things that happen. One, your life immediately has purpose. And it is the purpose for which your life was created, which is to bring glory and honor to Christ. And secondly, secondly when, when we embrace Christ honoring in these ordinary moments, it just changes how we operate. It changes how we live. So, so listen, listen, listen. You can't control everything. Remember that phrase, what has happened to me, that we highlighted up here? You can't control what has happened to you. Completely, for sure, right? You, we, who could have controlled this? Nobody, right? So you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to what happens to you. And let the how be Christ-honoring. And you have taken a moment and connected it to the movement. Paul continues. And he, and he shows us kind of what he's dealing with. It's not only he's in prison, but he's got some people that don't like him. He's got some people that kind of oppose the way he goes about things. So he says, look, to be sure, some people out there are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry. They've made it a competition. But others out of goodwill. These preach Christ out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospels, my job, my calling, my, my mission. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. Now, is, Paul can get mad, Paul can get frustrated, Paul can pray, you know, kind of a, you know, an angry prayer. But what, look what he says. He goes, what does it matter? See, I think there's some of us, and you're offended, or you're hurt, or you're bothered, or you're bitter. When you look at that, 
whatever that is that's making you that way and put it in perspective with the day of Christ, you know what you need to say as you walk out of here? What does it matter? It'll do you some good. It'll put some things in perspective. Because, I mean, there's people unglued still, right? Oh, my gosh, you're asking me to wear a mask. Do you think that's going to matter on the day of Christ? <gasps> so tone it down. It's okay, right? Do you, do you think on the day of Christ we're going to be <gasps> unglued about so many things? We're un- what does it matter? Because here's what Paul says, okay? doesn't matter if they're doing this. But in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. Christ is being honored. And in this, I rejoice. I'm happy. Yes, and I'll continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation, my movement, my progress through your prayers and help from the Spirit of Jesus. Isn't it just so powerful when we get this perspective? When we get this perspective and we realize, hey, so many things that I'm stressed, that I'm anxious about, when I hold them up against the day of Christ, what does it matter? How I respond matters, but this thing, this what, what does it matter? Let me exploit it for the glory of Christ. Now, there's two warnings embedded in the text, implied in the text. Two warnings, okay? The first warning is this. We can't get sidetracked. We can't get sidetracked. We can't get sidetracked by things that would distract us, that would deceive us, that would discourage us. We're we focused on the day of Christ. We're locked into the day of Christ. We're anticipating the day of Christ. We're being Christ-honoring in the moment because that serves the movement. So we can't get sucked into drama. We can't get drawn in to, to these discouraging moments, right? We cannot get sidetracked. Paul refused to get sidetracked by these guys out there preaching Christ out of selfish amb- amb- ambition trying to get at him. And then secondly, cannot be ashamed of Jesus. Cannot be ashamed of Jesus. We speak Jesus boldly and carefully and powerfully. We cannot be ashamed of Jesus. We need to walk around, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in me, he's going to carry it on. And we all need to be telling our Jesus story. We ought to celebrate in our marriages, celebrate with our kids, talk about it in our small groups, talk about it on our online chat rooms, talk about here's how 2020, here's how this season, here's how this moment, how Jesus has shown up in my life. Here's how I have grown in Christ's likeness. Here is how I have proclaimed the gospel. Glory to God. Thank God for the help he's given me. Because he's still reigning and he's still ruling and he's still moving this whole thing toward his day, the day of Christ. Listen to Paul. He says, my eager expectation and my hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, faithful in everything, Christ-honoring in everything, but that now as always with all courage, Christ will be, here's our phrase, highly honored in my body. And then he doesn't know the outcome. He's not certain whether by life or by death, whether in a prison cell or out on the streets proclaiming Jesus, whether dealing with a pandemic, dealing with a recession, dealing with a prodigal kid, dealing with an addiction, dealing with a health issue, dealing with a 
a marriage, dealing with a critical crossroads type decision, whichever, whether by life or by death, Christ will be honored. I have already decided I am going to honor Christ. I am going to glorify Christ. That's all I want. That's all I'm going to do. What does it matter? What has happened to me has served to advance the gospel and serve the movement of Jesus. So here, here's where we are. We're just closing the series up right now. Would you decide to invest this moment, however you describe the moment you're in, would you decide to invest it, not waste it, to invest it in that day way out there, the day of Christ? What has happened to me, I can't always control. How I respond, I can. And will I respond with the help of the Spirit, the grace of God, the promises of God, that Christ will be highly honored. Christ will be highly honored. And when we do that, God will find us faithful. When we do that, we're ready for that day of Christ. When he appears and it'll be wonderful and he'll be visible and all this other stuff will be wrapped up in his glory and the best that's yet to come will have come. And do you know this? Listen, church. Every day after that day of Christ will be better than the one before it. That's the kind of hope we have. So let's decide now. Christ will be highly honored. Christ will be highly honored. Christ will be highly honored. Let us pray. God, I pray right now that you just give us incredible clarity. There's probably some of us that just need to tell you we're sorry. And God, I thank you that the moment we come to a place of, I'm sorry, God, please forgive me, whatever it is we're sorry for gets enfolded into our story and becomes part of the movement because your grace fuels the movement. So God, for everybody that's saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I'm sorry for my response. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for my language. I'm sorry that I've been consumed by a what does it matter moment. For everybody that's saying, I'm sorry, may they hear your spirit say, grace, grace, amazing grace. Let's move on. Let's forget what's behind and strain to what's ahead and look forward to what's ahead. Let's anticipate the day of Christ and let everyone hear this promise of God. For I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. And God, by your spirit, I pray right now, because there may be some people listening, and they have never, ever given you their sins or the steering wheel of their life. They've never, ever said, King Jesus, become my king. May your blood cover my sins. May I have your Holy Spirit. May I be in your family. So if the Holy Spirit is talking and knocking at your heart as I said those words, 
Would you say yes to Christ? And then say yes to baptism. And then say yes to a local church. Lord, we're here. And we're yours. We're yours. We're in but a moment. But oh, we're part of a glorious movement. And what a day. What a day it will be. The day of Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.